Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to 12 Stone. Welcome to church. Welcome back to football season. Can I get an amen from somebody? Praise God. This is not in the notes. I just want to do it. Any Alabama fans? Oh, tough night. Ouch. I'm, just so you know, I'm sorry. Jesus loves you too. Just not last night. I don't know. It was tough. Tough. Go dogs. Anyway, welcome. Welcome to 12 Stone Tailgate. We're glad you're here and you already heard it, but dads, I'm coming for you over the next three weeks in the most loving way possible. But dads, I want to talk to you because the weight of responsibility of what it means to be a dad is massive. But I need to just pause for two minutes and give you my heart for the series and talk to the whole church. Because listen, I'm talking to dads, but I'm talking to everybody in the church through dads. So this is not a time to go, well, I'm not a dad. So I guess I'll just sleep and wake me up at the end. No, like I want to talk to all of us. But I know as the pastor of this church, we have all kinds of different families here at the church. We've got moms and dads with kids. We've got empty nesters. We've got singles. We've got single moms who are raising kids and there is no dad in the picture. We've got grandparents who are raising grandkids as if they were their own kids. Like, I get that families look different. In fact, if you're a single mom, let me just talk to you for a second. We love you. Man, like, like we are so glad that you are here and that you've called this place your church. And I would just kind of encourage you, single moms, you need to make K-12, our children's ministry and our student ministry, a priority for your life because there are godly men who want to pour into your kids like they were your own. So it's why I applaud whenever I see a grown man serve in children's ministry because it's like you're, you're stepping into a role saying, I will lead spiritually as a man. There's, there's kids that look up to them, and I applaud when, when that happens. So as I talk to dads, I need you to know I see all of you. But there's a reality that God has designed the family and has given, and has, has given dads a unique purpose and calling to lead and protect and provide and to sacrifice. And that's why months ago, God put a burden on my heart and our heart to speak to dads over the next three weeks. And as, as I look around and say, if God's called us as a church to make a difference, when I read the statistics and the stats and the data, there might not be a more strategic place to pour in than to dads. Let me, let me give you some sobering thoughts. Go ahead and put the list on the board. This is sobering. Children with involved fathers are at lower risk for infant mortality and low birth weight, emotional behavioral problems, teen pregnancy, substance abuse, homelessness, life expectancy. Like literally 90% of runaway kids come from fatherless homes. 90%. Life expectancy. Kids who have a present and active father on average live four years longer. Like we're literally talking life and death stuff here. Like, like dads, I want you to sit in the sobering thought of this and realize the weight we carry in fact, there's a recent study in the early 2000s that, that showed that young women who have a present active father in the home actually enter puberty months later than girls without. It's like physiologically, they know that there's a man and a father in the house, so they don't have to grow up too early and go get a man because dad's in their place. Do you feel the weight of this, dad's? <laughs> Like our, our role that God's created us for has weight and responsibility. And here's what I see when I read those studies. If God would transform dads, he could transform families. And if God would transform families, he can transform our communities around us. And if he would do that, he could transform a, a county and a state and a country and the world. In great part, the first domino that I think God wants to do in this church is to transform dads to step into our calling to step into the weight of responsibility and know you're not doing it on your own. So church, I'm talking to all of us, but I'm talking to all of us through dads. You with me? 
Three of you are with me. I'll start over. So welcome to 12 Stone Tailgate. Any Alabama fan? I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm not, not about that. That was awesome. Uh, I want to try again here across the campus as I need to hear it. Y'all ready to go after this together? Yeah. There we go. Let's get it. So uh, I'm curious. Thank you. I'm curious. Anybody here across campuses, do you watch Dude Perfect on YouTube? Anybody? Me and my kids love Dude Perfect. These guys are awesome. They started off as five college friends. And they started doing trick shots online and posting them. And it was like nothing. And now they have 60 million subscribers. That's an M. Million subscribers. And it, actually, this summer, my, my kids love these guys. Um, we went to their tour when it came through Greenville. And through a crazy string of events, I got a story I'll tell you later. We actually got to go backstage and meet Dude Perfect. This is my family with the boys, it was awesome. Let me just say this. We started the day with nosebleed tickets and somehow got backstage. It was awesome. I'll tell you the story another day. But we, we love these guys because they're just a blast. And, they, and they, they started out with just like trick shots with five college friends in their backyard. And somehow, some nine, ten years later, this is their full-time job. Like they started playing games. And now they're providing for their families through like shooting trick shots. And, and I want to ask a question to all of us. What are you playing for? Like at the end of your life, when you look back, how would you want to answer the question? What are you playing for? And today we're going to be sitting in 1 Corinthians 9 and, and Paul's talking to the church and he's saying, listen, there's a game being played. There's a competition out there. Here's how he starts. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets a prize. If you're in cross country, you know that all too well. Do you not know there's a race happening and there's something on the line? In fact, I want to have a little fun with this. Since we're talking to dads, I asked uh, Jeremy and Kim, would you sort of help us in the vein of this dude perfect trick shot? We want to have some dads have some fun and there's going to be something on the line. Let's enjoy. That's right. All right. Hey, everybody. These are our 12 stone dads. On the count of three, can we just say, hey, dads, one, two, three. Hey, dads. That's right. All right, it takes a lot of guts to be up here because we kind of got a big competition. Now, before we get into the competition, we need to kind of explain what our teams are. So we've got representatives from eight campuses. We did something super fun at student camp. I don't know if any of our students are in a room or across the campuses. Camp was a blast. And here's what we did. We took eight campuses and made four teams. So if you're at 12 Stone Home, you just get to pick a team because you're all over the country, right? But at the campuses, we have four teams, and we want to introduce those teams before we talk about the game, okay? Because team campus pride really matters. You guys have a lot of pride in your campus. You represent a lot. It's on the line. But here's what I want to do. As we introduce the teams across the campuses, when your campus gets called out, you just have to celebrate, okay? Don't, don't be like, yay. Like, let's, like, give it up, okay? Now, in, in this room in Sugarloaf, you guys are going to help because you're kind of like, you know, helping on the broadcast. We want you to celebrate every team, but especially when we get to Sugarloaf, okay? So is everyone good? Can everyone track with me there? Can we just give it up? Now let me introduce the teams. If you are a part of the Flyer Branch or the Brazelton campus, ladies and gentlemen, that's Team Rodeo. Give it up for Team Rodeo! That's right, Team Rodeo. Looking good, looking good. All the folks up there, Flyer Branch. And Broughton, all right, next, if you're at Lawrenceville or if you're at the Buford campus, you're part of Team Galaxy. Give it up, Team Galaxy! <laughs> Team Galaxy is in the house! That's right! Woo! Good football team over there in Buford. A lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. But the next team, ooh, next campus is, this is a big one. Hamilton Mill, Jackson County, all the way north. Team Wave! Give it up for Team Wave! And last but not least, we got the Snellville campus and the Sugarloaf campus. Ladies and gentlemen, Team Beast! Give it up to Team Beast! All right. So, got a friendly competition here with all of our dads representing all of our campuses. Now, there is something on the line. Whoever wins, whatever team wins, we are going to deliver two Kona ice trucks, extra syrup, extra toppings, extra spectacular at your campus next week. So you got to deliver because if you don't, 
everyone's going to be disappointed, okay? And so there's a lot on the line. You might be asking, though, what game are we playing? Well, it's called Longest Shot or Impossible Shot. See, dads, here's what you're going to do. Now, they warmed up a little bit earlier, but what you're going to do is you're going to come up here in pretty high speed. We're going to go fast. Can't cross this line, and you have to throw it over there. My man Cameron's going to be helping out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're here. making sure that whoever is closest, you'll just keep us keep track of that. That's right. Okay, fantastic. Down. So I think we got all the information out. Hey, you guys ready across the campuses? Are you ready to see who's going to win this competition? Oh. All right, we're going to start with Team Rodeo. Team Rodeo, one shot each. Right here, Flyer Branch and Brazelton. Let's give it up for our dads as they're doing this. Come on. Here we go. Give it up. Go, 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 go. Let's see what we got. Oh. That was close. That was close. Let's go. Oh. All right. I got to say, Cameron, that's the. That's the. I mean. All right. Let's, let's, let's check it. Right now, Rodeo's kind of in the lead. All right, boys, here we go, here we go. Let's give it up for Galaxy. Let's go, Team Galaxy. Galaxy. Come on. Oh, whoo. It's harder than it looks, folks. It's not easy. Here we go. Left hand. Oh. You don't see this behind the camera, but the dude got hit. All good, all good. Okay, fantastic. I think Rodeo's still in the win. Is that right, Cam? Yes. All right, here we go. Sit Next, lead. Team Wave. Let's give it up. Hamilton Mill, Jackson County. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh. oh. Nice. Really good. Mark's going to be disappointed. It's okay. okay. All right, Jackson County. Hey. You hit Cameron. We're hitting the goal, not Cameron. All right. Woo. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. Up, up, up. Sorry, Quinn. Sorry, Quinn. Sorry, Quinn. He's so stressed out, he can't even watch. Here we go. All right, let's give it up. Last one, Team B. Ooh. All right. Last one. Here we go. Sugarloaf Campus. Here we go. Come on. Oh. So All right, hold on a second. I don't know what my time is, but I think we need to do one more round. Just go really fast. You guys agree? One more round. Okay. Thank you. Or we're going to go really fast. Okay, Team Rodeo. Up. Here we go. Team Rodeo. Last one. Let's go. Woo. Man, that guy's scary good. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh! All right, Galaxy. Team Galaxy. So close, good job, all right. Team Wave, Team Wave, let's go. Let's see it. Oh, oh woo. Jackson County, come on. Oh, it's good for Cameron, what are you doing? All right, Beast, let's light it up. Oh. All right, last all right. one, Quinn, let's go, baby. Here come on, go. come on. Oh. I think the winner is going to be Team Rodeo. Rodeo. Give it up for Team Rodeo and all of our dads. Woo. Hey, dads. Good job. Good job. Good job. You guys are awesome. Give it up for our dads. Hey. Dad looks pretty good. I wouldn't say that they're amateurs, but I think we should look at some professionals do this. Why don't we take a look at what Dude Perfect does with a trick shot. Check it out. Got a football, a tee, and a bat. This is the 80-yard crossbar. Are you ready now? That's good. I'm making This is the high-speed frisbee catch. I'm like the flash, yeah, I'm coming fast. Better brace yourself, feel my thunder crash. I'ma teach class, y'all keep learning. All right, this is going lacrosse the stands. Get it? Oh, yeah. I'm making moves. This is what I like to call the lily pad bouncer. Here we go. I'm an earthquake. I'm making moves.
Isn't that incredible? Give it up for the Do Perfect boys. These guys do all kinds of trick shots, all kinds of sports, bottle flips. Any parents of like elementary, middle school boys so annoyed with bottle flipping? Anybody? I'm, just me? Okay, cool. I lose my mind. All I hear in the kitchen is thump, thump, thump. Anyway, that's like these guys sort of helped bring that into the popular world. They, they have all these incredible trick shots. In fact, I want you to see their most recent one. It's mind-blowing. 856 feet in the air. In a giant skyscraper tower in Vegas, they shoot a basketball shot that's a world record. I want you to see this. Check it out. Only thing between us and history, 800 feet. Let's go, boys. Come on. We can do it. highest basketball shot. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever seen? 856 feet tall. And here, here's what I want to say. Dude Perfect is amazing. But listen, their name is at best misleading. Listen to me. Dude Perfect is anything but perfect. You understand that they don't make every shot first try, right? They have really good editors that take their misses and edit it to just celebrate all the makes. Hopefully you understand this with me. In fact, I'm just curious. How, I want you to guess that shot you just saw. How many attempts did it take to hit this shot? 12, 900, 150, or 348? Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor how many chances did it take them? After seeing the shot, you'll probably guess where I'm going to sit, which is it took them over 900 shots, three days of shooting basketballs off a tower in Vegas at that height to finally make the shot. And the reality is this. Listen, it's a great metaphor for dads, because listen to me. We, we shoot our shot all the time with our kids and in parenting and in leading, and we have a lot of misses. There's times where we, we take the shot and we miss and we feel the weight and the pressure to be perfect. Like dads, we all have the sense that if we drop the ball, if we miss the shot, what's he going to do to my kids in 10 years and 20 years? And I can't miss this. I can't mess this up. But here's what I want you to know. The thing that made, makes dude perfect special is not that they're perfect. It's that they're persistent. They just don't stop shooting until they make the shot. Like, that basketball shot was not one and done. They just were persistent enough to keep shooting until it went in the hoop. And here's what I say to dads. Listen, the best dads are not perfect. They're persistent. Like, dads, you don't have to be perfect because you cannot be perfect. And over the next three weeks, this is going to be a conversation that, listen, it's sort of like dude perfect for imperfect dudes. Like, how do we stay in the game and persist with our families and with our kids and in the calling and role God's given us when we miss, when we don't hit the shots, when it looks like, what am I even doing this for? Because what God would invite us to is to persistence, not perfection, because you will not be. And wives, don't elbow right now. We already know we're not perfect. It's hard enough, all right? 
persist. And so if you want, we're going to be sitting inside of 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 to 27 today. And if you want to grab a Bible, you can do that. We're going to put some of this on the screen for you. But Paul introduces a metaphor that I think is appropriate for today, where we're going over this season for dads. And he's talking about this race, this competition that we're all in. And I'm just going to read the whole passage, and I'm going to be as simple as I can. I want to give you one thing to know and one thing to do. That's the agenda for today, and I hope it's as life-changing for you as it's been for me as I sat inside of this. So starting in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way to get the, the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we as followers of Jesus, we, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There's a lot there. And I could teach you for four hours line by line, but I want to just give you one thing to know and one thing to do. So if you're taking notes, here's the thing I want you to know. If you're in a competition and you're in a race, here's the reality. The first thing is you need to know your competition. And if you're a parent of any sort, a grandparent, an empty nester, I don't know where you're at, but there is a competition for our kids. Like, this is not just a race with just us, and as long as we cross the finish line at some point, it's all good. There is a competition chasing our kids. There, there's a competition for the reality of what gets our kids' attention and affection. What, do they, what voices do they listen to the most? Who is the greatest influence on their life? You could make your own list, but we got sports and friends and boyfriends and girlfriends and culture and school and technology and phones and YouTube. There's a competition for our kids' affection and attention and influence. And listen, here's the good news. If you're a dad, you're in the race. Here's the bad news. You're not guaranteed to win it. It's a scary thought that there is a competition for our kids. And because I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't know where you stand spiritually, which by the way, by the end of the day, you'll have a chance to respond to Jesus. But I don't know where you stand, but as a follower of Jesus, I believe that there's an ultimate enemy that's after our kids. See, John 10, 10 says, the thief, which is Satan, the devil, pick your name. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And if you look at nature and you look at predators in nature, who do they go after? The young, because they're more helpless than the big adult animals that they're chasing. And I believe that there is a competition for the hearts and mind and soul of your kids. And dads, that in great part is why we're in this series. Because you have to understand the weight of all of this. And then Paul, in this passage, again, what you need to know is you have to know your competition. But, but there's something we need to do. And here's what Paul says in verse 24 and 25. Do you know? No, there's a race. All the runners. Only one gets the prize. Somebody say prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. He's talking about prize so much. Like, if you look through Paul's thing, he's always talking about the thing you're trying to strain forward to get, to work towards. He talks about a prize a lot because, listen, there's nothing fun about sports without a scoreboard, right? Like, I don't like, when my kids were young and they used to play sports, and I'd be like, what's the score? And they go, we don't keep score. I'm like, well, we don't stay here. We're going to, this is dumb. There's, there's nothing fun about about sports without a scoreboard. And so Paul's saying, listen, there is a prize we're chasing. And, and Paul, let me give you this. Paul had a picture in his head of what the prize was. A prize that was worth giving his life to. A prize that was worth dying for, but more so a prize that was worth living for. And here's dad's Hopefully this will be as transformative to you as it, it's been to me over the years. Dads, you need to get a picture worth competing for. You need a picture of the prize worth competing for. And you might think I'm crazy. You might think I'm weird. I have pictures in my head that are my sort of true north for how I make decisions in my life. And if Without pictures, for me, it's like the sports without the scoreboard. And it's true everywhere. Like, if you don't have a picture of your future, maybe your retirement season, 
you will not be able to say no to spending money dumb right now. Like you need a picture of retirement that's clear and compelling enough that you would be willing to make sacrifices for now. Like when I see online, I don't know what Facebook algorithm has for me, but they've been recently showing me these these flamethrowers and I'm like, I have to, I don't know why I use it. I burn something down. I want a flamethrower. It'd be awesome. My wife said, no, how dare she? The man of the house, but I didn't order one. But I need, a, I need a picture of retirement clear and compelling enough to say no to a flamethrower. I need, I need to save now. Like, I need a picture of health that's, that's, that's clear and compelling enough so I can say no to eating a large pizza all by myself while watching the Georgia game, right? Like, I need a picture clear enough where I go, I, 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 wanted, I want that more than I want this. And dads, we need a picture that's clear and compelling enough that, that can help us make decisions differently today. So I want to I just play this out because this is where it gets really complicated. You see, in, in our world, if this is the continuum of your life, in most things, as your life progresses, the distance between sacrifice and reward is relatively close. Like if you start a job, You start day one, you work in your job for two or three years, you do well, you get a promotion. Yes, there's a prize, there's something to to fight for. And then you work for three or four more years and you get a a raise and and you get your prizes. It's it's relatively connected between your sacrifice, your investment, and the reward, the prize, the payoff. And maybe you started playing golf and you shoot 120. God help you. But you keep working and you start working and practicing and you watch your score, you finally break 100 and then 90 that you, you can see the results, the prize of, of what's coming. You can, in your money, you start saving up towards something and you save for four or five years. You could finally buy a car and not have a huge car note. You did it. You worked hard. The, the majority of things in life, you only have to live and sacrifice for this long to get a payoff. But I want to draw another picture. And this is the continuum of parenting. They're born. And then you parent. And then you parent some more. And then you invest some more. And you stop and go, are they getting any better? Like, are they, are they worse than they were? Did I, have, did I go back? So like, what? And then you parent some more. And then they hit teenage years and you're like, I want you out of my house. Go. And then they hit 18, and somewhere way over here, they're a great dad or mom on their own, and they have a job, and you're like, finally, the payoff, I didn't see any of it for 18, 20 years. It was all grind, no glory, all sacrifice, no prize. And listen, this is why you need in your brain, excuse my art, a picture Because everything else in life gives you payoff at a speed that is manageable and survivable. And parenting is one of the few things that the payoff is so far away that if you need to see results, you will quit parenting, stop investing. And can I tell you, I have pictures in my head that I pray towards, lead towards, sacrifice towards, that shape how I make decisions. Like, like I have a picture of 20 years from now, my kids coming home for Christmas with their spouse and kids, and they come back to our home with their kids, my grandkids, and they want to be there. It's not guilt or being forced to be there. They want to be there. I've got pictures of, of my, my sons calling me on the way to the, their first day at their job after they graduate or graduate college. I go, Dad, I finally got the job of my, of my dreams. I did it. And I'm going, that was worth all the sacrifices. I have a picture walking my daughter down the aisle one day. And when I close my eyes and I, I feel her hand, oh gosh, I did not talk this through. Remember who she is now. Okay, I'm good. So, I'm kidding. I love you, Lizzie. So, I, I, I see her hand go through my arm. Like pictures. And the door's open. And there's a faceless man that will eventually have a face. If I don't. So, 
And I picture the doors opening and I picture myself walking around the aisle. And listen, and when I turn to my left, I see my, my, my bride on the front row, still my bride. Because what I don't want is her and her new husband sitting there. And what I don't want is the mess that comes from a wedding when there's relational dysfunction. What I don't want is some other man walking my daughter down the aisle. Dads, that's not guaranteed, by the way. So that picture I have in my head informs how I parent, how I lead. If I don't want some other man walking my daughter down the aisle, I better be investing now. And I better be investing in my marriage as well because, listen, if that falls apart, the chaos that comes from that, for me, this picture is the driving force of what it means to stay engaged as a father. And if you remove the picture, there's not enough payoff in the everyday life of parenting for me to keep going. And many of us, the reason we've disengaged and pulled back is because everything else in our life is more compelling and immediate gratification than parenting. I can work for two years and get a promotion. I feel the payoff. I can parent for two years and feel like I've had three steps backwards. That's why we need a picture that is clear and compelling. Here's how Paul says it in that same passage in verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I'm not just running in circles. I got a thing in front of me. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, just swinging. I have a trajectory and a path for my life. And can I just... For me personally, that picture is what helps me not run aimlessly and not fight like a boxer fighting against the wind. It actually helps me make decisions on the daily. You know, when I close my eyes and think someday my grandkids will come over and my sons and we'll all watch the Georgia game together. Like I want to see that day happen. And then yesterday I'm upstairs in my office finishing this teaching and the door knocks. My boys go, dad, the game's on. And I go, I'll be down in 20 minutes. And the spirit of God went, really? What are you teaching on tomorrow? I go, don't do, don't do this, God. And he said, if you want that picture someday, you have to invest today. So what did I do? Teaching down, and I went downstairs. I watched the Georgia game, and we smoked them, praise God, and we had a great day. <laughs> but dads, there are everyday investments that we are called to make that you will not know how to make without a clear and compelling picture worth competing for. And you might need to do this exercise this week. You write down your kids' names. You have one kid, ten kids. God help you. How many kids you got? And you write their name down and you just begin to sit. What would the picture look like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now? What would that picture look like? And then back your way to today and go, if that's the picture I want, what would I do today? And listen, that picture won't give you all the answers, but I think it'll give you your next answer. See, part of the problem for us, I'll speak for myself Part of my problem is I suffer from a lack of imagination, spiritually speaking, where I just get stuck in the grind of what's happening day to day. And the spirit of God has been kind enough as I've asked to give me pictures like my daughter on her wedding day. That in the moment arrest my decisions and change my priorities and change how I interact with my daughter in the daily moments so that one day I will run the race to get that prize of walking her down the aisle and my kids coming home for Christmas and wanting to be there. And dads, you might not lack the will or the wisdom. You just might lack the picture you need. And if you ask, I think God is kind to give that to you. That's my prayer all week. God, would you give dads and all of us a picture worth competing for? Paul didn't say run the race for fun, run the race because I told you, run the race to get the prize, run the race of fatherhood to get the prize. In fact, dads, we want to help you with this. So on Sunday, September 24th, that's two Sundays from now, it's seven o'clock across all the campuses. We're doing something called right night. And here's what I want you to picture this as. This is a rite of passage experience for your kids, sons, daughters that are in middle school and high school. 
And it's not going to be complicated. It's not going to be huge ceremony. It's, it's going to be some really simple but deeply meaningful moments that, dads, we want to help set your trajectory on how you lead spiritually. So we're going to create a night across the campuses where you get to individually with your kid or kids, depending on how many middle school and high schoolers you have, for you to pour in and have spiritual moments with them. And so if you're a dad of a middle school or a high school, you can text dads, plural, to 37748, and that will help you sign up for that. We hope that every dad of a middle school or high schooler would invest and be a part of that because I think that's one of those cornerstone moments, a rite of passage moment that you get to lead and speak into your kid. And we're going to give you all the tools you need, all the stuff you need. You're not on your own doing something. You're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We're going to help you with all of this. And for the rest of the church, you're not a dad. We would ask for your prayer. Like what if thousands of dads would step into a sacred spiritual leadership place, maybe for the first time in their life. Like maybe for the first time they have a spiritual conversation with their kids. And so if you want to commit to praying for our dads in this season, you can text dads to 37748 as well. And you can sign up to get prayer prompts. We would ask that you'd cover that in prayer because we believe God wants to do things among our dads and their kids that could transform a generation coming behind us and could transform a future that we all get to step into. Because if dads would lead spiritually, oh, what God would do. But it's, it's fascinating to me where Paul ends this passage. So he's talking about run the race, get the prize. In verse 27, he says this, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's talking about hypocrisy. It's fascinating, all the stuff he says, and then he ends by saying this, once I've done my job as a preacher, and I'm telling everybody, here's the rules, here's the race God's put before us to run, all the things, he says it all from the platform. Then when he says, when I step off, I don't want to have done all that, step off, and then I disqualify myself. Paul didn't just see himself as the as the chief of the race saying here's what you should do he saw himself as a competitor in the race as well he had to run his race and parents dads there's nothing more destructive to kids than hypocrisy what Paul's saying is you can't say do what I say not what I do dad's like you can't say don't be lazy in school do your homework and then spend six hours every night watching Netflix and falling asleep on the couch your kids see this like, you can't say, listen, you need to be nice to your brother or sister and then cuss somebody out in traffic the next day. They see it. They hear it. Hypocrisy is so destructive. It's confusing and frustrating. And the, the very thing a father's supposed to be is a role model. But Paul was able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And dads, you, can, you cannot take your kids somewhere that you have not been. Because your kids smell hypocrisy. See, when my kids call me out for hypocrisy, my initial response is to bow up. <clears throat> I'm the father. And I walk out of the room and I go, oh, shoot. They're right. Hey, dad, I thought you said we shouldn't do this. And then you... Dads, it's, it's like a gut punch, right? See, hypocrisy tells your kids to behave in a certain way right now. But then when they leave your house, they go, well, I saw what dad did. And they begin to live a life over here because while, when they're out from under your control, they now realize I can do what I want versus I watched my father, Jason. I saw my father. Every morning of life, six days a week, go to Burger King by himself with his Bible. Burger King, probably not as healthy, but Bible, very healthy. And he did not care who saw. He sat there and did time with God six days a week. You know what he didn't have to tell me? Do your devotions. I watched him and I followed him. You know what I, I watched my mom do every morning in life? I'd come down to the kitchen, and she'd have her journal open, her Bible open. She'd be praying for us. You know what she didn't have to say? Jason, do your prayers. Watched her. Dads, you can tell your kids whatever you want to tell them to do. But ultimately, 
They're going to follow what you do, not what you say. I'm going to ask a question we don't need to answer to out loud. If your kids were to actually follow you, where would that lead them? It's a weighty question. And for me, I'll speak for myself. The greatest hypocrisy I could lead in my family is a, a family where I rebel against my heavenly father and then demand my kids obey me as their earthly father. I'm not, I'm not trying to Jesus juke you. If you're a dad that's visiting with us, this is not like a bait and switch. And now I'm like, gotcha, Jesus juke. I'm not trying to do that. But I, I do want to tell you, this is my source as a man, as a father. This is where everything births out of. And it's the fact that I, in order to be a good earthly father, I need to be a son to my heavenly father. Like I can't consistently and persistently have patience with my kids and wisdom for my kids and strength for the next day with my kids. I can't do that apart from first and foremost being a son to my father in heaven. And as I obey and bow to the authority of my father in heaven, my kids watch that and now I can ask them to bow to my authority. What breaks down is when I say bow to me, I don't bow to thee. And that's a messy place to sit inside of all of it. And, and I, I don't know how to live when I fall short except to run to my father. And dads, you are not perfect. Neither is dude perfect, but neither are we. You will miss, you'll mess up, make mistakes. You will come, you will come up short of what your kids need from you. You will feel the weight of not being enough for your kids. You will feel the weight of dropping the ball. And when you do, where do you run? See, we say you don't have to be perfect. You just need to be persistent. That is true. But for me, persistence is not enough. I need forgiveness and grace. And I need to know that I've been made whole and made right with my father in heaven so that I can, as a whole man, lead my own kids from a place of wholeness, not brokenness. Like, Let me just put, the, put this in, in a picture form. Hopefully this will make sense. Like as a dad, that's as good as I can go. And here's what my kids need from me. They need me to be here. That's the best I can give them. I can't, I, I, this is all the mistakes. This is the places where my anger comes out. This is the places where I'm a hypocrite and I told them to do this. Then I, in traffic the next day, blew the whole thing up and they go, really? And I go, yes, I, I'm sorry. This is, this is the disconnected gap of being a dad. And it's exhausting. The world tells you, you better not mess it up, dads. Your role is huge and it's true. But where do you run when you come up short? See, what the Bible calls that is actually sin. This is not just true for you as a father to your kids. This is true of all of us to our heavenly father, that our sin created a separation between us and our father in heaven. And hopefully you, you might have heard this before. This might be the first time ever. And, and the gap cannot be fixed with just trying harder and being more consistent or persistent it's, it's helpful in parenting, but there's nothing you can do to fix your sin issue. And while we were imperfect sinners, Jesus came. And here's what scripture says. He says, listen, that Jesus, he who was no sin, became sin for us. He took on our sin. And the thing that actually bridges the gap is the cross. That what Jesus did on the cross was he made a way that he lived perfect, never sinned, bowed his, his life for us and, and died on a cross and rose again and says, if you will follow me, I can forgive the gap of all the mistakes, all the sin, all the mess. I can now make you a new creation and whole again from the inside. And that's how you get back to a relationship with your heavenly father. Your sin broke it. His sacrifice paved the way back. And if you would believe and receive, you can become a follower of Jesus and have a relationship with your heavenly father again. See, this is in great part why we exist as a church is to tell you about the gap that sin creates and the forgiveness that Jesus provides.
And if you're a father, I'm going to make space for you. And I'm not going to be emotional and I'm not going to create like this. Oh, I'm just going to tell you. This is for everybody, but I want to talk to dads. You might be playing church, doing religion. You might come to church every week because you know it's good for your kids. But at a soul level, you have never bowed your life to Jesus. And so you are a man that is not under any authority but your own. And you are in rebellion against your own father in heaven. I'm telling you, your kids cannot bow to your authority until you bow to his authority. Any man that's not under authority is a dangerous person. And dads, I've been in seasons where I know I'm not under authority and I'm scary to myself. We've prayed that the spirit of God in this moment would just make it clear and obvious. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you might have said yes to a church, to religious activity. You might do spiritual things, but you have never in your life said, God, I admit that my sin destroyed the relationship. And I believe what Jesus did on the cross is the only thing I can believe on to get me back in a relationship with my father in heaven. Then you are a man outside of authority. And the hypocrisy of telling our kids, obey me, or we rebel against him. So I want to put a prayer on the screen. And this is not like magic words or like a recipe. It's hopefully something of a roadmap for you that reflects what your heart is trying to say to your Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father, I am imperfect, a sinner. I can't bear the weight of being perfect on my own. But I trust Jesus to be perfect in my place. I believe he died on the cross, rose again, and invites me to follow him. I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of, sin, of my sin, and I commit to follow him for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for being my perfect father. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to leave that prayer up. And I want across the campuses, dads, moms, singles, empty nesters, single moms, you know you've never said yes to Jesus. I'll tell you what the Spirit of God does in moments like this. He quickens your heart. He brings conviction, which is a word that just means like a weight to you know that you know that this moment is for you. I'm telling you, I don't have any other better advice for your fatherhood, for your parenting, for your soul, for your future than to say, bow your life to Jesus. There's nothing better. And so here's what we're going to do across the campuses. We're going to read this prayer out loud together because that's what family does. We do it all together. But for some of you, this is your moment to say yes to Jesus. This prayer is not just, you're not just reading it. You're offering this to your heavenly father saying, Jesus, I, I believe what you did for me. I want to say yes to you. And so here, let's read it out loud here across the campuses. Dear heavenly father, I am imperfect, a sinner. I can't bear the weight of being perfect on my own. But I trust Jesus to be perfect in my place. I believe he died on the cross, rose again, and invites me to follow him. I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. And I commit to follow him for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for being my perfect father. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what I want to do. Cross the campuses. Everybody, grab a card that's in your seat back, underneath your chair. And if you offered that prayer, maybe it's your first time saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're returning back. Maybe you're in your childhood. Your grandma brought you and you prayed a prayer, but you know you've walked and rebelled and you've drifted far and you're like, I'm coming back. Whatever you want to, however you want to define what you just did, there's a sense that you know that you just said yes to Jesus. That last box, bottom left, I recently made a decision to follow Christ. Check that and give us your contact information. And this is the least spiritual feeling thing I can do in this moment. Equally, it's the most spiritually weighty thing you can do. You don't have to figure this out on your own. That's why the church is here. That's why we exist to help you in your journey on this. Please let us. Dads, please let us. 
You do enough on your own. You carry enough weight by yourself privately and quietly. Let us help you in this journey. And what you're going to do once you fill that out is when the offering baskets pass in just a minute, you're going to put that in the basket. You're going to say, I want someone to follow up. I want to know how to walk this thing out. I'm tired of doing it by myself. For many of you, that's what you're going to do. For others, you're going to put that card back in the seat and you're going to grab an offering envelope and you're already a follower of Jesus. And you know that when, when Jesus becomes your savior, he gets your first and your best. So you can respond as the baskets pass in just a minute by us receiving and the tithes and the offerings of your first and best goes back to God. So either drop the card, drop an envelope, or just take a moment before your heavenly father and say, thank you. Thank you for being the perfect dad that I could not be for myself. And so as the bands sing and lead us across the campuses, the gospel demands a response. And I pray that hundreds and hundreds of dads and moms, men, women, students would respond to the offer of God. So worship well here across the campuses. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.